there's a lot of pop acts that I'd kind of like to see in concert, but I, as a 40 year old dude, I, I can't go. <laughs> I gotta like, I, I'd have to like corral Lindsay's niece to be like my beard or something, and yeah. then and, and then go. Yeah, then I can go see Taylor Swift or Harry Styles or one of these acts. <laughs> I can't do that by my. I was feeling like a creep. Yeah, yeah. I have very little shame where it comes to like doing stuff by myself or certainly concerts by myself. But there's a realm that I just I can't cross over that without looking welcome to wherever you are my name is ryan mcneil in toronto canada you are listening to episode 203 of the matinee cast it's a movie loving podcast on my movie loving website matinee.ca your home for cinematic passion and perspective film around these parts is very much a family affair i know that it seems like you know people like me have a little bit too much film on the brain but the good news is where it comes to my, my immediate orbit there's there's a, there's a lot of us um so you know when we get together for dinner it's it's very easily a topic of conversation when, when it comes time to bring other people into the family and grow out the orbit we we look for other film people and uh i've been blessed that uh, the woman who's our guest today has uh, been a part of my orbit now for oh god like over 10 years yeah you've been around oh my god time time <laughs> flies and um i say oh god in a wonderful way because it's it's strange. I almost can't remember not knowing you anymore. <laughs> that laugh that you just heard is uh, our guest today. Um, it is my sister-in-law, Rachel West. How are you, Rachel West? I am good. Keeping cool? Keeping cool in this heat wave. Seen a lot of movies in the heat wave. Got to go somewhere with air conditioning. It's it's <laughs> uh, it's a pretty good racket, you know. And actually, I mean, like now, it's it's kind of a good time for that. All of a sudden, like we got a whole bunch of good stuff all at once. It's a good catch-up time, especially yeah. for those indie films, the documentaries that are out. Yeah. Well, plus you're all, you're also already in like TIFF prep, aren't you? Yes. Oh, so, which <laughs> which of course we cannot talk about, but there's 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 stuff stuff is afoot. Um, today, though, speaking of TIFF, we're uh, we're going to talk about a movie that's playing at Lightbox. Um, we're going to talk about uh, Deborah Granick's new movie, Leave No Trace. Uh, we'll flip the record over to play the other side, but first we need to learn more about Rachel. This is Know Your Enemy. Rachel last appeared on episode 101, where we talked about Nebraska. I know. Oh, oh my I know, god, I, know. I remember that. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Couldn't remember what movie it was. Uh, yeah, it was Nebraska. We were talking about Christmas shopping and uh, wedding preparation. Oh, that's wow. how. Yeah. <laughs> Happy anniversary. <laughs> um, so we learned on that episode that the first film she'd ever seen in a theater was Song of the South, where the birds scared her. The last film she'd seen at the time was The Hobbit, Desolation of <laughs> Smaug. The worst film she'd ever seen at the time was Boat Trip. The yep, un- still the worst film. Still the worst film. Cool. The, wor- the unseen classic or essential was The Godfather 2. Oh, I've seen it since Hey, cool. Then. All right. And the film she wished she'd made was Moulin Rouge, so it's time. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't really lie. I didn't lie, so that was good. <laughs> it, I know. No, exactly. And I, I mean, like, it's kind of funny. I listened back to the answer. You're like, I don't really know how to answer this, but I, <laughs> this movie was like came out right before I went into film school, and it kind of gave me that last, like True. the summer before, gave me that last little nudge, so... <laughs> We, we went with that. So, but now it's time for round two. Uh, Rach, keeping in mind that it's only about an 85, 90 minute show, <laughs> what is the film you like that nobody else does? Uh, I couldn't actually think of something, so I asked Shane, the husband, and he said, well, obviously it's Bubble Boy, the Jake Gyllenhaal oh, movie, which, no. to be fair, 
I haven't watched it in years. Okay. And normally when people say, what's the most embarrassing movie in your collection? I yeah. pull out Bubble Boy. Okay. I would also say maybe the brother Solomon, but I have other Oh, no, we're, we're staying on Bubble like Boy us, here. So. so just in case anybody hasn't seen this opus, what is, like, it is, I, I don't imagine it's a very high concept, but what it's, what's it about? Jake Gyllenhaal is the Bubble Boy. He lives he in like a bubble the, suit, he has, right? Yeah, like an autoimmune disease of some sort, and he is confined to his bubble. And from what I remember, he falls in love with a girl next door, and there's some kind of road trip element, and eventually they end up in Niagara Falls, and yeah, Bubble Boy. This is like... Yeah, not to be confused with the John Travolta movie, The Boy in the Plastic Bubble, which I also <laughs> own and like. That sounds like an amazing double feature. Yeah, throw um, in that episode of Seinfeld. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's like, the yeah, the, okay, yeah. yeah, well, yeah, all right, yeah. I like this. Um, this was, when was, like, this is like young Jalen Hall, too, isn't it? I gotta say, like, two th early 2000s. Okay, so, like, before Donnie Darko? Yeah, I mean, we have every device at our fingertips to look it up, but I'm gonna guess yeah. around, okay. yeah, similar time. And, and, and you actually dig it. Like, it's, it's... Again, I probably haven't watched it in at least six, seven years. Well, I mean, but you know, I, I I liked it enough at the time to purchase a DVD copy. We we were just talking <laughs> about the fact that you've got a whole week off coming up. Mm -hmm. so I'm gonna I, watch Bubble Boy. I was gonna say, I think I think you need to rewatch it and and. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys do have some crazy things on your shelves. Like it's kind of why I love you both. I mean, I'm bound by blood to love Shane, but, um, <laughs> you know, you get to, there's probably about a thousand, we're nearing a thousand in the collection. Wow. And you know, you yourself are married to someone with eclectic taste. Yeah. But that's her problem. Large, you have a large collection yourself. So yeah. we don't have bubble. They're boy not now. all winners. No, no, including um, my own. Like I don't, I don't purport to say like I have you know, flawless I, taste. I don't pretend to you know, that Bubble Boy is a good movie. But you like it. But I like it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that, that's, and that's, that's the whole question, right? Like, I, I mean, I kind of want to watch it now. I don't think I ever have in the past, but uh, I need to see. <laughs> Borrow but, it. <laughs> uh, I very well may. Um, okay, let's flip the script. What's the film that everybody else digs that you don't? Sideways. Really? Absolutely hate it. Okay. I also hate The Descendants, which is why it's kind of funny that the last time was Nebraska, I was here right. we were talking Nebraska, a movie yeah. I really liked. Okay. Um, but why Sideways? Oh, I just, I hate absolutely everything about it. I think most of it is that I hate Thomas Hayden Church. Well, wait a minute. You strike me as the kind of person who likes wings. No. No? Oh, that's what <laughs> No. Also, I was, Sorry. Too, I was too young to like wings and really care. Yeah, okay. They're, well, they're, 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 that's that's true. Um, yeah, if you don't like him, you're kind of in for a rough go. Although, was he the only one that did? No, it was Sandra Oh that didn't get nominated for an Oscar. And I love Sandra Oh. Right. And you like you like Virginia Madsen? I have no opinion of her. Oh, okay. I like her in Candyman. Is I, Candyman 1 that she's in? Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. I remember that movie. I mean, I think back on it now. And so you're confused because everyone likes Sideways. No, I, 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 I love Sideways. It was like, I know it was, it was one of my favorite movies that year, but I'm trying to think of it outside of my own taste, right? I'm trying, now I'm trying to pull on threads. Like, I remember sitting in the theater watching it in agony. Wow. I there, saw it twice in theaters. No. See, there are very few <laughs> movies where I remember... I remember sitting through The Hobbit and yeah. being, again, the one I talked about last time I was here, hating it, having to go to the bathroom, being in the middle of a row, and just like, what do being you mean stuck. there's another hour left of right. this thing? So, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is it, is it bro-ish? Because, I mean, it's about a bachelor weekend. No, that doesn't even matter to doesn't, me. You don't care? You know, one of my favorite movies is The Stag. Right, yeah, yeah. Otherwise known as 
bachelor weekend. Right. Weekend? Yeah. Okay. Um, so it's not that. So no, it's, it's just not even that. It's just it's it's everything. It just makes my skin crawl. Oh wow. I mean, like <laughs> we just mentioned it. Now I want some wine. You know, it's, it's, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but but there's other there's better ways to do. do I, like I'd, I'd watch Bottle Shock if I'm going to watch. Would a you watch a Good Year? I don't think I've ever seen that. It's a Russell Crowe one. Russell Crowe, Ridley Scott movie I, about about I one. like yeah. Ridley Scott. Yeah, so. I know. I'm, I'm now I'm curious about that one. This is going to be a dangerous show because I'm going <laughs> to walk away with a very long to watch list and bizarre. Yeah, yeah. So okay, um, sideways. Good one. Yep. Yeah, now most people I know like that movie. So yeah. husband brought it home. It's in the house. <laughs> of course, will never be. Of course, put in the DVD player while I'm home. Right. <laughs> uh, what was the last movie to make you cry? It's not a new movie, but yeah. the most recent one was English Patient because I cry every time. Okay. I just gave it a, uh, a rewatch about two weeks ago. Hold on a second. You need to tell people why because uh, this is a great story. The uh, in in my bedroom we have a DVD VCR combo player, and the DVD player stopped working. Got a Blu-ray player. Didn't have an HDMI card. We're like, okay, in the interim. What can we watch? It's hot out. Air conditioning is only in the bedroom. I know. I have the 1997 Academy Awards that I recorded off TV 21 years ago, inexplicably, in our house. It's been with me through, I'm going to say, at least six moves. I have kept that tape <laughs> with me. So yeah. we watched the 1997 Academy Awards. Right. And that was the year of Juliette Binoche winning. That is... Francis oh, you watched Mc Cuba do his thing, didn't you? That is, yeah. Oh, Frances wow. McDormand winning. Okay. And, you know, I, I love her. I love Three Billboards. She gave a fantastic speech this year. 21 years ago, she was already Frances McDormand giving amazing speeches. Oh, wow. okay. So she hasn't changed. Tell me there are commercials on that tape. There, I cut the commercials out, but I did keep all of the movie trailers. Oh, in. okay. So we've got some. I think it's Jurassic Park two. Oh man. Yeah. Uh, there's, see, some I, I, there's some interesting stuff in I'd there. Be, I'd be so curious to see commercials. So then, okay, so you watched so inspired the because yes. Academy Awards, and then you decided to watch the English Patients. because we saw so many clips. There's so many pop culture references mm. to it, and again, other things that are now obsolete. Lots of jokes about like the internet and email. Right. But it's kind of inspired a English patient rewatch because okay. it's been a few years. Yeah. But yeah, um, I always just start crying when Ray Fiennes carries Kristen Scott Thomas out of the cave. So it's it's held up for you. Yes. Because I know a lot of people they kind of consider it one of those best picture winners that they're like, eh. No, love it. And it's the one. It's one of those rare things where I absolutely hated the book, but I love okay. the movie. The book is <laughs> no like I mean the book is they called the book unfilmable. Right, because it was just yeah. so scattered. And it's more so like it's unreadable. <laughs> Are you a crier at movies? Uh, if there's animals. Okay. Or, uh, you know, I famously had the flu once, took a bunch of cold medicine, and the husband comes home, and I'm sobbing in the middle of watching Big Miracle, high on cold medicine. Oh, it's the one with Drew Barrymore, and I think it's John Krasinski and the whales. Oh, oh. Yeah. Really? Exactly. Oh, yeah. Wow. <laughs> sobbing. High on cold medicine. <laughs> um, because, I mean, uh, yeah, I'm sure it came up when he was last on here. He is not. No. Famously. No. At all. Um, Opposite. I, not that I'm a sobber in movies, but, you know. So you're not an easy mark, but you you will. Yeah, because okay. I'm also not, I'm not the person who's going to see Marley and me. I'm not that type of audience, right. but, you know, uh, when David Oyelo gives his speech in Selma, the end of Pride, when all the protests, okay. when all the miners show up to support 
uh, the LGBTQ supporters who've been supporting them. I just, I saw them. Okay, you know. okay. All right, yeah. cool. Um, <laughs> English patient. In the movie of your life, who plays you? You know, I was going to say Scarlett Johansson because she kind of thinks she can play everyone, but now she's, dro <laughs> now she's dropped out of uh, uh, she's come to some common yeah. sense and dropped out of Rub and Tug, you know what, unfortunately you know named film. Yeah, exactly. You know what else is kind of sad? So, so do you are going with that answer? Yeah. Okay. Why not? She, I mean, um, she thinks she can do it at least. <laughs> At least, you know, I am a woman. So yeah, I was going to say, we, we could do that. Um, it's funny because I was saying uh, yesterday and today, um, the around the same time as that news came down, no, the, that news came down today. We're recording on Friday the 13th. Um, and the news that uh, Scarlett Johansson was dropping out of Rub and, Rub and Tug came out today. Pardon the pun. Um, yesterday, the news that broke was that the Black Widow movie has a director. Um presumably with Scarlett Johansson in that movie. And I remember when that news broke, I was like, I kind of feel like we've moved past that point. You know, it's like, it's like, I'm thinking in my head, regardless of what you, like where you stand on like comic book movies, um, at this stage for Marvel, that like that class of their heroes, they kind of need to start phasing them out. Yeah. Um, and if they were going to do a Black Widow movie, the time for that was about, three or four years ago. Like the fact Agreed. that Wonder Woman has already beat them to yeah. it and that their own studio has kept Marvel coming next year. Yeah. I'm like, it's, and I'm at, at this point, I'm not a huge comic book fan. I'm not a huge Marvel movie fan, mm -hmm. but give me the birds of prey movie. Sure. Yeah. Like, I mean, that like, one I'm into, give me the, you know, the villains, the bad girls. Well, there's that, that I but I mean, watch with the female somebody, writer and director. Yeah. Somebody did up like a fan poster of like of all the the heroines that that Marvel has like brought out onto the scene without even count, counting Captain Marvel yet, and they're like do a team up movie with these women, like just put them all in one team up movie for like leave the boys out of it, and you probably sell a lot of tickets. I might add, that might be a Marvel movie I'll see. <laughs> exactly right. Um, do you like the ScarJo? Does she annoy you? Uh, no, I've always been a fan. Mm -hmm. I think I'm becoming less of a fan. <laughs> um. Where do you yeah, come? Where do you come down on under the skin? I walked out. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you don't see it as your last right. TIFF movie at right. the festival. I walked out to see Twelve Years a Slave, so okay. I made the right choice. Right choice, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, it's 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 unfortunate that she's she's making some weird career decisions. She's got to get away from. Is it? I think it's. Is it Rupert Sanders? Yeah, he was the Ghost in the Shell, and yeah. move away from Marvel and go back to doing things like her. Yeah. You know. And, you know, Boston Translation, Ghost World that she yeah. was doing earlier on. I mean, even with um, Under the Skin, I mean, it's weird. And it's not I, something I put on for kicks, yeah, but at least it's something I, different. I applaud her choice to be in a movie like that and take a role on like that when she can just be playing things like Black Widow. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Appreciate it. Don't yeah. want to watch it <laughs> again. Yeah. Uh, last but not least for now, what are you watching next? Um, I'm actually watching Band of Brothers for the first time, mm. so I'm firmly in the middle of that. Okay. Pointing out young before they were famous gentlemen. <laughs> it's like a who's who. I can't, I, we were talking about this on the weekend, the only person I remember, and it was, I remember, is it Sean Livingston? Isn't it? Ron. Ron Livingston. Damn. Ron Livingston. Ron Livingston. Damian Lewis. It's Michael Fassbender's first role. You got like baby James McAvoy, Andrew Scott. Wow. Yeah, David Schwimmer. Schwimmer, I remember. Because yeah. Schwimmer is annoying as hell in that movie. Mm -hmm. And we were saying, uh, somebody from Walking Dead? Uh, Michael Cutlitz, who's Abraham right. on Walking right. Dead. 
Uh, uh, you have Jimmy Fallon shows up. You got a, a lot of randoms. Sorry, in Fallon's in this movie. Yep. Oh my god! And or in this show? Wow. I. You know what's weird? I. Especially weird considering I'm a Spielberg guy. I've never seen it. I saw, I saw like the first two episodes and that was it. And, and that's I, where that's where I stopped. Yeah, and I and I've never seen The Pacific either, which is that another one, one of his. Seen. Well, I think once you're done with this, you kind of got to go on to that because they're they're kind of like you know, you're you're making a my, face. None of my boyfriends are in it. So, uh, but yeah, that and then I'll probably check out either Whitney or Three Identical Strangers this weekend. Oh, three Identical Strangers. Oh, I've heard of that. It's a documentary. Right? It's a it's a documentary where it's three identical strangers kind of meet up and realize they are I don't know if they're estranged brothers or they were triplets given up at huh. birth. It's something like that. Okay. That's, I was like, it was intriguing enough where I was like, oh, I've just stopped re- reading because I don't want to know anymore. Sounds like a movie that was made out of like a picture post on Reddit. <laughs> all right. Well, I'm uh, I'll have to look forward to that. And uh, yeah, but by the time we're all done with this, I will borrow Band of Brothers off you. Um, for now, though, we have a movie to talk about. So come on back after this. I do want to run a little bit of a spoiler warning up. Leave No Trace is a movie that I, I think we can both agree that we, we both believe you should see, but it's also a movie that really needs discussion as a complete work. So we will be talking about everything to do with it, including things that happen like five minutes from its end. So please be forewarned. I don't really think it ruins the experience, um, but we will be uh, getting into some deep, deep spoilers with Leave No Trace. Um, it's our new slang pick right after this. Leave No Trace is directed by Deborah Granick. It's written by Granick along with Anne Rosalini, and it's based on the book by Peter Rock. It stars Thomas and Mackenzie, Ben Foster, Dana Milliken, Jeff Kober, and Dale Dickey. Leave No Trace is the story of Will and Tom. That's Foster and Mackenzie. Will's a former U.S. Marine trying to work through some PTSD. Tom, his teenage daughter, and they are living illegally on a campsite in a state park outside of Portland, Oregon. When local authorities bust them for living on public land, they are shown a certain degree of mercy and sent, together, to work and live at a Christmas tree farm nearby. It doesn't take long for living on the grid to catch up with Will, and pretty soon father and daughter are on the move again. In talking about this movie, Deborah Granick has described it as a story uh, that explores the difference between want and need. Uh, that Will is trying to find the discipline of that and instill it into Tom. And in fact, in one scene in this movie, we even where the two are grocery shopping, we even watch the young lass hold up a snack and ask her father, want or need? And he actually says both. Um, but pop quiz, Hotshot. Leave no trace. What about this film? Is it something we want, something we need, both or neither? I'm going to say it's something we need. Really? Uh, it's a quiet film, it's not flashy, it's just a really good story. And I've been kind of debating this thing where, you know, normally there's at least one or two really good indie dramas, something that's the antithesis to, you know, the summer popcorn and blockbuster movies. And not that there's anything wrong with them, but sometimes you want, you know, an adult film let's say like I think to things like even the way way back like that came Mm. out in the summer like it's that sort of feeling and this 
I think is something we needed between the Ant-Mans, the Mission Impossibles, the skyscrapers, you know, more of the family-friendly stuff. This is an adult story. Yeah. I it's it's funny cuz I think I think for me it's both. It's something it's something I do think I need. Um because as we were saying earlier, like I you you slap a cape on a character and I'm there. <laughs> you know, I'm I'm the easy mark these days. I I I go see even the bad ones. Um but I I want uh, I want a glass of wine after all those cheeseburgers. Um, so, so it is something I want, um, which is strange to say because a lot of these stories, they're not misery porn. They're not miserable. And this is not, this is not a sad movie. Um, it's got some moments that are sad, but on the mm-hmm. whole, it's not exactly what I call like a heartbreaking movie. Um, but it is something... I do think I need to kind of counter and it's something that I want because I want to be able to break it all up more than anything else. I think I want to watch movies about these kinds of people. Um, Granick as well, when she was talking about the movie, um, I believe the article, I'll, I'll put a link in the notes. I believe the article is for AV club. Um, she was talking about how every movie that you see is about like a wall street banker or a production assistant or, you know, a, a, a flashy, a flashy yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't see very many movies about these kinds of people who are certainly much closer, maybe not necessarily our orbit here in a larger city, but they're they're closer to the kind of orbit that the average film goer or the average Netflix user would encounter. And it's like, why don't we tell stories about these kinds of people? Um, you know, in this case, some you know, an, an, a VA, a veteran, um, and poor people. Like you know, deliberately so, but but also in this in this movie is you do not see there's no flashbacks to war. Oh. You don't see him, you know, mentally reliving things on you know on a battlefield yeah. or dealing with some of the things a soldier would deal with. You don't see how they got from. You would assume at one point they had a house, they had you know somewhere where they were living. You don't see how they got from point A to point B where they're now illegally camping out in we the woods. We don't even find out how long. Yeah, there's a lot of questions, which is also kind of nice not to be handed all of the answers. And that didn't bother you? Didn't bother me at all, because yeah. the whole story was just contained. It's their relationship. It's, you know, what's happening now as opposed to what happened to get you here. I didn't find that I really needed that because the characters were so rich. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so obviously, like, you know, General, like, you, you dug this movie. I dug this movie. I would say I just happened on an assignment for work to have to do a list of my favorite like top 10 movies of the year so far mm-hmm. i wrote that hours before i saw this movie had i you know written that article the next day saw this movie the day before this would have been squarely on the list and yeah, yeah the person i saw it with loved it even more than i did mm-hmm. yeah I'm, I'm with you this is this is certainly easily one of the best movies i've seen this summer i also um, went in not knowing much i know i mean i knew i knew the name deborah granick but i mean mm-hmm. i i haven't thought well i thought about deborah granick um certainly when i i gained more of an interest in watching films by women because i i love winter's bone so much but she she herself has been largely off the grid since then and that was eight years ago she did one documentary in that time and i can't seem to track it down um but i so i had this weird little bit of brand recognition um but beyond that I mean, I certainly didn't know who Thomas Mc- Thomason McKenzie was. No, no idea. Uh, I didn't. I, I watched the trailer for it one time, and I just went in going, "Okay, we're going to go out into the woods for a while." Um, yeah, this. I, 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 
I hope people can track down this movie. It's going to be kind of tricky to find, but I really hope that people do um, kind of make a point of seeing this yeah, kind of movie. That it comes to Netflix, iTunes, Amazon, something where you can access it. Because I believe right now it's only Lightbox, at least in, in Toronto, yeah, screening it. And, you know, if you're GTA area, it is worth going to see. Yeah. Um, you know, we, we talk about the the relationship of father and daughter in this movie and how it's depicted. Um, there's, there's a lot of shorthand in this movie. Like, there's not a lot of... There's not a lot of argument that happens in this movie, even though they're in some very stressful situations sometimes, but just even like from the get-go, like from, from the moment we meet them um, to like, you know, how they're going about their food and how they're like doing their drills. Um, it's really interesting to watch how Foster and Mackenzie interrelate. Did you notice anything between like father and daughter that kind of stuck out for you? I just thought that kind of goes back to back to the point where you don't know how long they've been there, but you do kind of get the feeling that it's been a while because they do have these this shorthand that they can reference. They know each other's moves and what, you know, what what makes one another comfortable and who likes what and they've just got this rhythm and this pattern down. Yeah. And, you know, I I just liked the, their relationship. The thing I like about their relationship is the movie takes pains to point out um, that he's like he's being really active. Like when when they do get um, caught and they're brought back to social services, they they test the daughter, right? And you would kind of expect the daughter is actually going to be a little slow. Like the daughter's going to be mm -hmm. behind, and they they actually say you're kind of advanced, mm -hmm. you know. So it's clear that even though he's decided to basically be a hermit with his child in tow that yeah. he's not and he's made the decision for her you yeah. would assume because she is young do we ever know how old she is did we ever get that established no she seems I, like i guess maybe 14? 14 yeah 13 14 yeah um but yeah everything from how they're eating to uh, uh, you know how she they're, they're they're going on the trail at one time to um to go get some some provisions and she sees a necklace and she's like dad can i keep it Right. And, and even just him kind of looking and seeing, okay, you know, she's just found something that we're not going to find out in this thing. But she also recognizes when he says, leave it. And if it's there, mm -hmm. when we come back, you take it. Right. Like that's, that's fair. Things like that, like that kind of thing. There's no, oh, but dad, you know, yeah. I, I really like that, that kind of uh, balance between them is in this movie. You don't kind of get that very often. They are, they are equals. Like, Yes, it's yeah. it's a father daughter, it's a parent and a child relationship, but at the same time, you know she's not being a parent to him, which sometimes you see maybe something more like in Winter's Bone, mm -hmm. where you see the child having to be kind of the protector. It is very much an equal. We're looking out for one another. I find, and that's you're right. That's rare. Mm -hmm. Like in with, with that kind of age difference between them. Yeah, it's usually something where you know the parent is some sort of screw up, and now everything is on the kid's shoulders, or right. it's vice versa. It's you know, over-parenting the child, you yeah. know, be, and it's strictly a parent-child relationship. Um, Thomas and Mackenzie is amazing. I have no idea who she is. Me, like, but, all like, I know, yeah, all I know is when I looked her up, she's she's done a few things, and she's she's from New Zealand. She's Kiwi. Um, she's done like a handful of things there. Um, and Granick did what she did, kind of with Jennifer Lawrence. She kind of yeah. like looked outside of the normal ingenue mm -hmm. realm looking for somebody a little bit different who just kind of looked the part um i i look forward to watching her in like a lot of movies yeah. was there a moment that she had that jumped out for you 
Um, you know, like it's it's one of those things where it's such a quiet film. There also isn't a lot of there isn't a lot of dialogue really because she also is quiet and private and they're trying not to give too much away like this is where we are we're living in the woods we're doing this so i really liked her interaction um with dale dickey when they end mm. up in in the camp uh and you know there's a moment with a dog yeah yeah that sort of thing where it's like you know let's also not forget that she's still a young girl who you know needs you know needs some comfort needs some you know nice things and some of that you know is also companionship with someone who's not your dad I thought they did a good job of that when she's when she's living on the farm, the the Christmas tree farm, mm-hmm. and she meets the the teenage boy with his rabbit. Yeah, the, the rabbit's got a clever name. I can't think oh. of what it is. <laughs> oh, the the rabbit's name is Chainsaw. Chainsaw, rabbit, yeah. <laughs> and it's a really big rabbit. Yeah. And too. again, it's the first time in the like in the movie she has. There's really two instances where she's with people her own age. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and, it, and this is the second time, the first time she's in social services. Yeah, and the rest of the time she's orbiting in an adult world with, you know, only adults, only her dad, only with, um, at in the, sort of the second half of the movie, they end up at a community of outliers who have kind of, I guess that's how you would describe them. They've kind of, you know, chosen to live a little bit off the grid, but mm-hmm. in a more established community. Commune, yeah. Commune. Almost, yeah. Um, but again, it's... I think it's all adults like there weren't very many no. kids or at least kids who have dialogue or interaction but what i love in in the moment where she's talking with the the boy and she's got the bunny and she goes to like a 4-h club yeah. or something where they're all got bunnies um <laughs> learning to show your rabbit <laughs> to show your rabbit is you see her burn just a wee little bit brighter when she's around people her own age doing teenage stuff you see it kind of when she le- learns how to ride the bike mm-hmm. it's like Oh, this is what you're supposed to be doing. Or, I mean, you kind of get that a hint of that when she does find the necklace at the beginning because it's, you know, you're becoming a young woman and are you getting into, you know, sort of the fashion and makeup? Like, that's kind of an an average trajectory that a lot of girls that age are either into or about to get into. Yeah. And and yet, all the rest of the time when she's, when literally her life depends on it, she's got this poise and maturity mm-hmm. that a lot of girls her age don't have that, you know, actresses her age sometimes don't have. And it's incredible to watch because she just kind of, it, she dials it up and down as she needs. And I'm sure like Granick was helping her like coax it mm-hmm. just a little bit. And it's just incredible to watch. But she's like, I, I hope that she has some of those opportunities and that trajectory that Jennifer Lawrence was able to capitalize on. Yeah, because I that mean, Winter's Bone was really the first thing I ever saw her in. Yeah, she did. Going to see she did like some some schlocky uh, horror movie, and she was she managed to survive the Beaver. Um, <laughs> but I mean, you know, her the attention that she got in Winter's Bone was what got her the Hunger Games, and that mm-hmm. her entire rest of her career was that. So maybe that's what happens. Maybe based on this, uh, Thompson McKenzie gets some plum role based yeah. on it's like you know we know you have talent. Let's put yeah. you into something. Yeah, that's perhaps a bit... not the Hunger Games trajectory, no, but at least but something that's indie gonna... dramas, something that where she can actually show yeah. off her skill and you know have more people get to know who she is because yeah. she's fantastic. Is this movie? I mean, you know, this is going to sound slightly contradictory to say, considering that we're recording into a laptop to something that people are going to listen to out of their portable devices. Is this movie a condemnation of modern life? <sighs> Speaking of want and need. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think it does show that 
we do have a lot of things that we want in mm -hmm. our lives that don't necessarily need. I mean, if you ask me, I think I need my phone and the internet, <laughs> but you know, there's also a part of me when I was watching it thinking, well, that's kind of nice to take, you know, an off the grid break. Yeah. I mean, like, but I don't know. I don't know if it's actually giving a very strong, we are anti this and this is how you should live. I think if it's a condemnation, it's actually the most polite condemnation I've yeah. ever seen or heard. It might even just be a nudge saying there are things outside of the borders of your screen. Like when was the last, when was the last time you walked somewhere that had no signal? When was the last time you walked somewhere for some of us, you know? Um, I really got to thinking of it, you know, we were talking about the scenes where they're on that commune and I really got to thinking about it when, Tom is interacting with that beekeeper. Yeah. Because I mean, she's fascinated. It looks really cool. I don't even like bugs, but I'm like, that <laughs> looks really cool. And I think about, um, you know, our niece who's 10, who almost always has a gizmo in her hand, even when she goes up to like a cottage. I'm like, can you just, do you know how to play anymore? Like, did you know how mm -hmm. to like, canoe or do you know how to just like go for a hike or I mean that's one of the things when they're in this commune even with the kids at the 4-H that it is very much we are entertaining ourselves we've got a guitar uh it's all about building up the community I can't think what's what's his name in the film I've already forgotten Will Will when Will ends up breaking his ankle it's we go to the neighbor for help we do this we put you up in our own community the community looks after one another and everything is just insular and together. And it was the same when even she meets the, the kids at the 4-H club. It's, it is rabbit time. It's not, you know, <laughs> let's play a video game. Let's, you know, go do, you know, this or that in front of a screen. I mean, it's funny because that's, that's what sets Will off, right? Like when they're living mm -hmm. at that farm, they seem to be doing okay and kind of living a little bit more stably, but still according to their code. But at one point he's like, we're doing their work, we're wearing their clothes, we're eating their food, we're going to their church. And then he puts the TV in a closet. Yeah, you know, he, it, like, that's the thing, is, like, he seems to be condemning modern life, even if this film is not. So I think that maybe that's the answer to my own question, is this film is kind of somewhere in between Tom and Will um, in terms of how it wants to approach. I don't think Tom wants to cut all of it out, mm -hmm. but I think she is quite content to walk around with a dog or learn about bees or ride a bike. One of the reasons why this movie is going to stay with me um, and the one thing that it does have over a lot of its um, bigger budgeted uh, contemporaries and cinemas right now is this film has a real sense of stakes. Mm -hmm. um, I don't doubt we're a few weeks away from a movie or Mission Impossible 6. <laughs> I don't doubt that at the end of that movie, Tom Cruise will still be standing. You know, there, if, that, if, if he does not survive that mm -hmm. movie, I would be stunned. And as much as I'm going to enjoy the living heck out of that movie, yeah. how am I ever going to get invested if I don't ever think in all of those death-defying stunts that he's never in actual peril? Yeah, he's already teased Mission Impossible 7. Awesome. So, you know, cool. Um, he but, it, but I mean, in this movie, we've got, a, we've got several times over where Tom and Will really seem to be up a creek. You know, we watch Tom do a really big battle with, like, hypothermia. Like, there's one point where she goes... My, my boots are leaking. My, bo my boots are leaking. And, you know, to somebody like you or I, it's like, oh, well, you know, you go to the office, you take off your shoes and mm -hmm. just let them dry. And you're like, oh, shoot. 
Yeah, that's and it, it's cold. Like this isn't the summer either. No. They're not out there, you know, lounging. Yeah. It's yeah, and end that, of the year, late. It's it's kind of crazy to think that you can have a film, and one of the more ominous statements is there's a hole in my boot. On top of later on when Will takes a walk and just doesn't come back for a little while, and you're thinking, oh crap. And I think that's it. Like, both of these characters, this movie could have gone in different directions. You could easily see Tom getting sick and something happening. You can see Will, you know, something happening to him. Because both of them could leave the story and it could head in a totally different direction. Where, again, you get something like, you know, Avengers. Okay, well, you know, I don't think Iron Man's actually going to die or this person died. But they could just be brought back in the next film. Yeah. Meanwhile, you're watching something like this and you, you genuinely have an oh shit moment. Yes. You know, that and it, it was even just he's walking away like when he when he had the Will has an accident while he's out looking for provisions or he's looking for just to kind of like get the lay of the land mm -hmm. and as he's walking away from this cottage that they're holding up in, he just kind of shoots her a look. And in that moment I'm like, "Oh crap, he's something he's not coming back." It goes back to that shorthand that they have. Yeah. But it just, but like, even, so yeah, the film gives you the shorthand that you need as well. And it's just in that moment when, you, when I had that realization of he's going to be gone a while, I actually genuinely felt concerned for Tom. I'm like, she's in this cabin by herself mm -hmm. with nobody around. No Limited heat. food supply. Yeah, like burning wood for heat. This could go very badly very quickly. And it's, it's crazy to have like a small, very gentle boil movie like this kind of give you that kind of sense of mm -hmm. dread, no? Yeah, like, and that's, I think, one of the reasons why I enjoyed it so much is that I didn't know where it was going. Mm. And it could have branched off in multiple directions. I, you know, I don't know what A to B to C to D is, is going to look like. Because right. it just kind of kept me, not guessing in a mystery sense, but anything could happen. Was it ever too low boil for you, though? Because, like, we're talking about stakes, and it's kind of funny because we're, we're talking about the stakes of my boot is taking on water. Yeah. Um, but is, is it ever too, too subtle? I don't even know if I'd call it subtle. I might call it quiet because oh, I yeah. think even in, you know, in the scenes where there's not maybe a lot of action on screen, there's a lot going on. Mm. I don't know if this is a movie I want to see at, you know, 10.30 p.m. after I've had a long week at work. Right. But I don't think I want to watch this movie at home. Like, I, that is how a lot of people will experience this film. Mm -hmm. But if I were to do that, I'd, like, have to put my phone on the other side of the room and dim the lights because... I'm going to zone out. Yeah, and it, it was a very good movie to see, you know, in a theater. It's no gorgeous. distractions. It is beautiful. It is, uh, you know, just the wilderness looks great. It's just some stunning vistas. Yeah. That, you know, it really does, if you can see it on a big screen, see it on a big screen. So it's not too low boil. Like, it, like we've seen movies that are, like, way... You know, we were, we were even talking about, like, Under the Skin before. That's yeah. a movie that's even lower boil than this. Yeah. Um, but it does require some concentration. I don't know how much you remember Deborah Granick's other movies, but did you ever see her fingerprints on this movie anywhere? Honestly, I saw Winter's Bone in theaters when it came out, and I haven't seen, you it. haven't seen it. Since? I haven't seen it since. Okay. Other than I remember liking it, and yeah. just like this movie, you know, it, it is very similar from what I remember in tone, at least. Like you know, Ooh. Winter's Bone is is it no? Yeah, uh... but like I mean, in terms of like the pacing and. The pacing, the structure is very different because I remember I called that one Hick Noir. Like that, that one was very much more mysterious than this one was. I remember it following her around a lot. Oh, I, 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 want, I almost want to send you home with it. I've got, I've got a copy <laughs> of it. Um, I, I, I saw her. I saw her approach to the land. Like she, she films 
rural America in in a certain way. Like um, I don't know what her background is. I don't know what I she have was no doing idea. Yeah, I, I've seen. I've seen. She's got four films. I've seen three of the four. I haven't seen the documentary. Um, but every the, the these are the two that really to kind of take place um, out in the sticks. And she has a way of making everything look really handsome, even if it's not necessarily like Winter's Bone, a very handsome corner of the country. Um, I think what between the two, um, we're going to talk. I'll talk about the third one later on. But between this and Winter's Bone, the thing that I saw that's the closest is the two protagonists. Like she has a way of writing and steering and directing. Uh, Mackenzie and Jennifer Lawrence in a way that I'm like, you two would probably get along. Like you, you come from very different backgrounds, but I feel like you're cut from the same kind of cloth. Obviously, like this is a movie that we think you should see, um, but we do end every um, review here on the pot, on the matinee cast with a souvenir, something tangible or intangible you would take away from this movie and keep if you could. Rachel West, what's your souvenir from uh, Leave No Trace? I just want to say the leaves. In the forest, it's just a lush green. It's so green, beautiful. It's maybe the greenest yeah. movie I've ever seen. And when I think back to it, and this is a movie that I—I ha- I mean, I've probably seen fifteen movies since I saw yeah, it, yeah. but it's a movie that I keep thinking back to. And in, when I picture it, I picture the green of this forest, which you know is both beautiful. It's a little bit unknown, maybe a little bit dangerous. It, it's very like they talk about like having to like cut new trails mm-hmm. you know like they're moving especially this movie they're really moving about it off of the the blazed trails so that you're really kind of getting into the thick of the bush in this movie i mean if i want to take a literal souvenir it's chainsaw the rabbit right um i want to hang out with the bees uh, that, that's my souvenir <laughs> is i i never been interested in like anything like that but seeing her interact with them like watching like you can hold them they're not going to hurt you you can survive 500 bee stings i'm like okay so i it's i've never i've never been interested <laughs> in them. i've never held some bees no me neither i want to hold bees now bird of beard of bees yeah no why well, I, I that that's going a little far but i, I certainly want to like hold a few I, you know that, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> watching her do that i was all inspired i'm like i can do that um, we rate here on the matinee cast on a scale of one to four stars. Rachel West, what do you give Deborah Granick's Leave No Trace on a scale of one to four? I'm going to give it three and a half. Yeah, I'm, I'm right with you. This is a really, really good movie. Um, I might jump up to a four if I, if I see it a few more times. I don't know if it's that rewatchable, but yeah. I think I might. Like, especially because like, it, it's kind of calming. It is. You know, yeah. it, it's well, once you get over the fact that you know, people get hurt, people get lost. Yeah, and but definitely one of the best of the year. Yeah. It, I think it has the potential to make it, you know, until the end of the year in my, in my top 10. Yeah, I really, I really hope so. And as I said, I, I hope, um, I, I certainly hope that it's not the last time we see Thomas and Mackenzie. Um, Deborah Granick apparently has a few more movies on the go right now, so I hope it's not another four-year wait for a film at all, let alone eight years wait for fiction. Um, hey, maybe you think we're crazy. Maybe you've seen this movie and you think that we are way overselling it, um, or maybe you think we're not praising it enough. Let me know what you think of Leave No Trace. Ryan at the matinee.ca, Twitter, or at matinee underscore CA, or Facebook.com slash darkmatinee. Um, we are going to take a quick break and come back right after this with some films on the other side, so uh, join us in a moment, won't you? We're back. She's Rachel West. I'm Ryan McNeil. It's Matinee Cast 201. 
three. Uh, we've been talking about Leave No Trace. Uh, we're going to go further down the spiral. Um, there's all kinds of movies you compare with uh, this kind of story, but where did your brain go to after you uh, agreed to come on this show <laughs> after you watched the movie? Uh, actually, the movie I saw immediately after this. Okay, which uh, Eighth Grade. Oh, okay. Also, new release coming right. out. Um, you know, another Sundance movie. Tell like people this. what that's about. So, Eighth Grade is um, written and directed by Bo Burnham, who you may recognize from scrolling past his stand-up comedy series on Netflix and never watching them because that was me. <laughs> um, but he began as a, I'm going to say, 13, 14-year-old YouTuber back when YouTube just launched. Wow. So he was like an original YouTuber, built this original following, you know, and kind of from there has gone into comedy and other things. And somehow this 27-year-old man wrote a script about a 13-year-old girl Last week of grade eight, it's both, it's just her and her dad, uh, single parent, and she is awkward, she is unsure of herself, she is, she is very much a 13-year-old girl who just doesn't know what, where she fits in or how things work. And in her private life, so she's the meek, quiet girl at school that, you know, kind of no one ever notices. Right. And in her private life, she's on YouTube and she is a YouTuber and she's giving tips on how to be confident, even though she's the most unconfident person. But unlike somebody like Bo Burnham or, you know, kids who are getting thousands of likes on Instagrams, her views, her videos get two views, three views. So it's just, she's a very average girl. Right. And it was just, again, it, it's like Leave No Trace. It is a movie about a father and a daughter. I mean, it, 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 and so it kind of really dealt with that one-on-one -on -one dynamic again, where it doesn't, okay. it, it doesn't go into too many background details. Where again, you don't know how they kind of got to this point. Uh, you know, you don't really explicitly know where the mother is in the situation, how long it's just been the two of them. Um, but yeah, it's a girl named Elsie Fisher who is in, um, I want to say Despicable Me too, but again, another young sort of unknown girl. And in this film, you know, they're very much dressing her like a kid. Yeah, it's... You know, she had, they're not covering up. She's got a lot of like skin breakouts. They're not covering that up. You know, her, they're making the comparison between some of her other sort of tween friends who are all kind of the glammed up, sexified, having pool parties and bikinis, and she's the awkward girl in the one-piece bathing suit who just, you know, stringy hair in her face, wants to hide in the background. It's another, it's another one of these movies where you feel like you've met these people. You know, I don't feel like I've necessarily met Will and Tom, but I feel like I've, I've, I've seen them somewhere. I've interacted with them yeah. somehow. You know, same thing with with Elsie Fisher. She looks like a girl who's like one of my one of my friend's daughters. She just looks like she, you know an average thirteen year old. Yeah, yeah, and and probably like speaks like one, acts like one. Speaks like one, acts like one. Um, you know, is dealing with very teenagery things where you know she likes the boy in her you know the cute boy in her class so she's you know instagram stalking him and like mm -hmm. you know wants to be part of the popular girls and kind of you know tries to make inroads with that and it's just not really working because it's not her mm -hmm. you know and she does actually uh you know not to also spoil anything either but she does kind of find somebody who is a bit more of a mentor who mm -hmm. kind of shows her like you know you're cool the way you are oh wow it's funny the um 
you know, the carrot that's going to lure me into this one is right at the beginning of the trailer, the A24 logo shows up, and that it right still for me is kind of the okay, I go. You know, like it, it's it's this weird. Uh, they they got their hooks in me pretty deep, which is weird to say for mm. for a movie studio, but they and don't get me wrong, they make some weird movies <laughs> and some stuff that just I watch once and I never watch again, but I don't forget it. Even when <laughs> you're not going to forget Hereditary. No, no, I'm definitely not. Um, it, it's funny though. It, this is a movie that I knew a lot more about going into uh, versus Leave No Trace. I knew a lot about Eighth Grade. I had heard it talked up. I had heard how great it was. And I think had I seen it before Leave No Trace yeah. and not the next day, I probably would have liked it a lot more than I did. It might even be the next matinee cast if I can get my ducks in a row. But um, uh, yeah, maybe it, they might be too similar, two episodes together and also two small films. But I am really, really excited to see that movie. Um, the first one that I thought about coming out of this movie, it's not even a movie I really like all that much, but I think it was because... I feel like Leave No Trace did a similar story better, was I thought about, I think it was two years ago now, maybe three years ago, Captain Fantastic. Oh, yeah. I did think about that movie while I was watching Leave Yeah, no because Trace. I mean, that movie, even though that movie is an indie movie in its own right, not just an indie movie full stop, that movie is far more glossy and mm -hmm. far more, um, you know, far, far more like Hollywood indie. You know, like yeah. that, that, that's a very Fox Searchlight type of film. It yeah. might even be a Fox Searchlight movie. Um, everything from, you know, you've got Aragorn in the lead, and you've got um, Frank Langella is the, is the father-in-law, and, 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 and just the fact that he's got, like, so many of those kids. Yeah. And that they make this big do of going back onto the grid. Um, Cap Fantastic for me, it was okay as a movie, but it really kind of serves as a counterpoint to this film because it didn't have that trust. It didn't have that shorthand between parent and child. Mm -hmm. um, they seemed too kooky in terms yeah. of living off and living off the grid. Like when uh, Tom and Will go to that commune, they're all just, they're normal people, you know. Like they're they're just they're yeah. eating their groceries, playing their guitars keeping their bees um they're not <laughs> celebrating noam chomsky day yeah which i feel like that was where they're, zany, they're the zany family yeah. in 70s style clothes yeah. not a father and daughter living in utility sort of workman's outfits. yeah did you did you like that movie at all i did i mean again i saw it in theaters and i never saw it again right but yeah you know i enjoyed it. i feel like it was also a summer movie mm -hmm. i sat here and watched it at canada square my favorite theater and yeah again it I enjoyed it because it was a nice break between the general summer fair, which I also have no problem with. I know I've been here being like, oh, you know, Marvel this and Skyscraper that, but I love turning off my brain and watching a popcorn movie just yeah. as much as I love watching something maybe a little bit more challenging. You or like the cheeseburgers different. as much as you like yeah, the wine. exactly. No, that's, that's, and that's the way to do it. Um, it's, it's funny because you get the two movies that are very similar and just one seems to have its finger a little bit firmer on the pulse. Um, what another, Any other movies? I mean, it does make me think of, you know, more of the, the wilderness type movies, something like a wild or into the wild where you do kind of have the, I'm going a little bit off the grid and I'm getting back to nature. Like it did make me think of, you know, not, not necessarily really in terms of, you know, there's no father daughter relationship. There's nothing like that, but just in terms of, I'm going to get back to nature. 
Wild is an interesting choice because, I mean, I was thinking about Wild the other day because we started watching Sharp Objects, and that's uh, Jean-Marc Vallée. Um, and Wild was one of his, is one of his. But I think, again, when I think about Wild, I think about it as a counterpoint on the compass because you've got this person of privilege deciding, oh, I'm just going to punk off and go wander. Whereas these people in this movie... I don't want to say they have no choice, but it almost feels like a more deliberate action. I feel like... Well, I think the in difference wild. is in Wild, you know why she's made her choices to leave. You know that she's been dealing with addiction and a divorce and her life is falling apart. You know, the death of her mother. But where Leave No Trace, you have no idea. Yeah. Really. Um, Cheryl Strayed, that's it. Um, and Cheryl Strayed, actually, I listened... To, uh, Cheryl Strayed is a, is a really good writer, so this isn't any kind of a knock on Cheryl Strait. I, I, I listen I, I listen to an audiobook. I know that vexes you somewhat. <laughs> but I listened to one of her audiobooks uh, last year and she's like a lot of her like collection of like essays and she actually did um, kind of an advice column for a while called Oh, Dear Sugar. Um, so like she was doing like a Dear Abby type thing and, and she eventually just decided to own it saying, Hi everybody, I'm Sugar, I'm gonna put together a whole bunch of these things and publish it. So not to knock Cheryl Strait, but I felt like in Wild, Cheryl Strayed was wandering around the wilderness as a means to an end, mm -hmm. whereas in in Leave No Trace, I thought that, that that was the end. And I mean, for for one of them, it really is the end. Yeah. But I felt like that was that was the thing. They weren't just going walkabout. I do like Wild. It's not it's not even it's not even a, a, a movie I think is bad. I do remember thinking that at the time that I do wish that it was either written or directed by a woman. Yep. Because, I mean, I think that about a lot of movies. Of course, but I mean, <laughs> especially in that one, like, it seemed, because, and I mean, it seems so strange to say that because the screenwriter and the director are guys I adore. Jean-Marc Vallée makes something, I go. Nick Hornby writes something, I buy or I go. But I'm like, this is such a weird story for two dudes to be telling. You know? It's I mean, I also thought that about Ocean's 8. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I thought that. I absolutely thought that too. I was like, I was like I'm like, there are there are some gaps here, and, I, and again, maybe that's the difference in Leave No Trace is mm -hmm. you have a female filmmaker, a female, but still, also still telling yeah. a rather much. One of the story, things right? that stood out is watching the credits. Is there are a lot of women mm -hmm. behind the scenes on film? Yeah. Like a lot, and, yeah. and so much so where I mean, it's kind of sad when you're sitting there and you see a lot of female names. You're like, oh my oh, god, yeah. wow, yeah. Why are we still surprised? Yeah. Oh, um, that's why it's good. <laughs> and yet, yeah, and yet you see it in in everything. Like you see it in the way that she's talking to Daryl Dickey, and you mm -hmm. see it in the way that she's talking to the the social worker, or even just the other girls. Yeah. Right. All right? Like this thing clobbers the Bechdel test, <laughs> um, which a movie like Wild just kind of skates by. Um, so I don't think you've seen it. Or maybe you have, and I'm just assuming. Um, have you ever seen a movie called uh, Deborah, one of Deborah Granick's her first film called Down to the Bone? No. Okay, so it's with um, Vera Farmiga before she Real got life. big, and a um, little bit of Canadian content. Hugh Dillon. <laughs> yeah, um, it's about a mother who um, she's struggling with addiction. She she's like a grocery clerk. She's struggling with addiction. Uh, she has two sons, and one of the sons for his birthday, he wants a snake. And yeah, exactly. It's 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 such an absurd little um, little movie. Um, not not absurd in that way, but just it's it's a strange premise. 
for a movie saying grocery clerk wants a grocery clerk drug addict wants to buy a snake for her son yeah okay put that in theater two right next to mission impossible <laughs> right um but similar to her other movies it's people that we've met people that we have encountered um it again it looks really handsome even though it's just everyday locales um Vera for Miga in it is amazing. Uh, Hugh Dillon's actually pretty good in it too. They, they're they both kind of struggling with addiction and it's not it's not misery porn. You know, like you get you get a film that's about a drug addict and it can it can kind of turn to like, and I say this as a person who loves this movie, it can turn into leaving Las Vegas really quick. <laughs> it's not that kind of thing. It's very much more working class people trying to deal with their shit um, and just see like watch them and look at how they interact with each other and how they navigate their lives um and it's more it's people who look and act like us people from our reality put onto screen so if people haven't seen this movie because i kind of feel like most people jumped in mm -hmm. at winter's bone if some people may not have even seen winter's bone uh, which we're not really talking about that on this movie because we did that a few episodes ago um i would say see down to the bone um i was a little bit un unfortunate that this movie could work bone into the title somewhere. And, <laughs> leave uh, no bone. Leave no bone. Um, did you have any others to go along with? Those were the ones that I really thought about. I mean, the one that I think we could both probably get on board, because I'm pretty sure you dig this one as well, is how well do you remember The Messenger? <laughs> I don't know if I sat through that. Oh, really? Oh, man. Um, so Woody that Harrelson? One, yeah, Woody Harrelson and Ben Foster. See, you know what? Like... Ben Foster is one of those guys who I feel like doesn't get enough credit and doesn't get a lot of chance to be a leading man. Yeah. Which I, is weird. Because he's so good. Like, yeah. again, he's, you know, if somebody really likes Ben Foster after seeing Leave No Trace, to Hell or High Water. 310 to Yuma? Yeah. All, like, oh, for you the know, love of God, go see 310 to Yuma if you've never seen that movie. Yeah, even the um, the Lance Armstrong, the program. Oh, it's he's not, so good in it's that. It's not the best biopic no, but he but is very good like he even looks the part and he yeah. looks nothing like lance armstrong yeah no and it's and it's it's a movie because you know most of us lived through that yeah. like most of us like watched all that unfold it's yeah. like why am i gonna go see a movie about yeah. something i watched pop it's like but it's, you know, yeah and it's one of those rare chances where he is the star he is the leading man yeah you know i think i was thinking about the messenger because in both movies he's a marine Right, and so in the messenger, he is—he's um, part of just like a two-man unit. He's paired up with Woody Harrelson, and they just have to go give the um, oh, there's a word, there's a term for it. Casualty notification officer is what he is. So he's got to go to the family's homes and say, "We're sorry, your son or daughter was lost in action." Um, and and just that's his job. He's he's got like he's got to go house to house to house. I vaguely remember this movie. It's it's a really it's a really good movie. It's a another one that's a really low boil as well. Um, somebody got an Oscar nomination out of it. Uh, Woody Harrelson got an Oscar nomination out of it, which is strange because <laughs> Foster kind of has the better go of things, um, and. It's, you know, it, it's yeah, one of ben, these Ben Foster, like, you know, Eli and Freaks and Geeks, you've come so far. I've, uh, I've heard, I remember I first found out about him in um, Six Feet Under. A show I never watched. Oh, uh, he played, like, he plays Claire's boyfriend in, I want to say it's season two, and he's just such an arty little weirdo. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and he's, 
I want him to show up in more stuff. I don't want him to just be like some little fluffed off guy in the third X-Men movie. You know, give him more stuff. Like, yeah. like you but said, like, like, like Hell or High Water. Again, a movie I really liked. I think of him maybe third when yeah. I'm going through that cast, which is unfortunate because he is good. Yeah. You know, Inferno, that Tom Hanks, uh, Dan Brown movie. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's out of that real quick. I mean, most of us should have been out of that quick. I saw it on vacation, actually. I mean, we were in Florida, so I'm like, hey, look, it's playing. Let's go see it. Um, yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot. It's kind of funny because for a movie that's small and tiny and not going to get a lot of play, there's all these tangential mm -hmm. associations that you can make, and you can go down a really deep rabbit hole with it. Um, so, you know, obviously we're saying definitely go see this movie. And there's a lot of, as I said, there's a lot of further material out of it, I think. But that is episode 203 of the Matinee Cast. Come on back Monday, July 30th for episode 204. Not sure what we're discussing yet. We might be talking about Sorry to Bother You. Have you seen that? No, I really want to see that and I want to see Blind Spotting. Yeah, me too. I kind of feel like it's going to be one of those two movies because they're both really, really high on my radar um, for this time of the summer. Um, Rachel, if people want to follow you on Twitter where you're talking about movies and cats and raccoons. <laughs> and my love of Arby's is... Love of <laughs> it's uh, at Rachel underscore is underscore here because I joined Twitter so long ago, didn't actually realize that having a longer name or a bunch of underscores would might be a little bit difficult in the future. It's too late now. You can't change it. Uh, my site is thematinee.ca. For more audio content, you can find back episodes by going to thematinee.ca slash podcasting. You can also find them on Stitcher Radio, Blueberry, uh, Google Play, You're Welcome, Palo, Apple's podcast app, and the iTunes Store. Still working on Spotify? Leave me alone. Um, everything <laughs> gives you handy ways to subscribe for free and get alerts when new episodes drop. Feedback on Leave No Trace can be left in the comment section of the site. Email to ryan at thematinee.ca. Uh, Twitter, where I'm matinee underscore ca or facebook.com, still, slash dark matinee. Uh, any final thoughts? Go see this movie. Absolutely. <laughs> For Rachel, I'm Ryan. We'll see you at the matinee.